Hafkimel Tammuz, Tafshin Ayin Zion, coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York. I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Jonathan Razel, Katonti, off of his album Ben Atzlilim, opens up this edition of The Israel Show. We are live, as we are each and every week, immediately following JM in the AM, 9 AM Eastern, 4 PM Israel time, around the world, wherever you are, whatever time it is, that's the time that we're on. That makes sense. And um, we're also on demand, which is uh, very much in demand. Our on demand is in demand. <laughs> you can uh, listen to our archives on the Nachum Siegel Network app, which is available free at the iTunes Store and on the Play Store for Android, or on the Nachum Siegel website, nachumsegel.com. Go to the archives, find the Israel Show, and all the editions are there, going back uh, three and a half years, right? I think so. <laughs> Meaning, I think it's three and a half years, but all the editions are there. Uh, Friday. A major event took place in Israel, a shooting by three Israeli Arabs who had weapons stashed on the Temple Mount, on Harabayit. They used that as a weapons cache, this holy place. They took the weapons, they ran out to the gate of Harabayit, shot two Israeli border guards, both of them were Druze border guards. That's D-R-U-Z-E. They are of uh, a a breakaway from Islam, but are very friendly and cooperative with Israel. They shot and killed, murdered these two guards. Then Israeli police and border guards ran after them and ultimately shot them on the Temple Mount because uh, when one of them was already wounded and lying on the floor on the Temple Mount... He tried to get up again and jump the uh, the soldier, and so they had to shoot, and they did. And so now there is blood, more blood, on the Temple Mount, and a lot to be said about it. It is one of the uh, more sensitive religious places in the world, and um, there'll be a lot of ramifications. We'll tell you about what's happened since then and um, some insights about what we hope might happen (laughs) as a result. All that's coming up. Uh, We also have a um, special music mix this week in honor of um, the period of time between Shiva Sarbatamuz and Tisha B'Av, known as Bein HaMetzarim, between the dire straits, between the times that... um, the Babylonians breached the walls of Yerushalayim till the times that they actually destroyed the Beit Hamikdash. And we're going to have slow and inspirational music, some of it touching on Yerushalayim specifically, some of it not, but it'll all be inspirational Israeli music. Um, we'll start off with an Imesh Gechech Yerushalayim. How do you like that? Can't get better than that for this period of time. This is from Harp and Love off of an album called Lach Yerushalayim. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. (laughs) 
beautiful version of that. Harp and Love is the name of the uh, group. We'll post a link to uh, the YouTube video of them doing this song. I believe it's at a wedding, appropriately so. Um, we'll post that link on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Israel Show. As we do each and every week, we post links to YouTube videos of uh, every song we play, if there is a YouTube video for the songs, <laughs> for that particular song, and there is in this case. Um, and as we remember Yerushalayim, Al-Rosh Simchatenu, Yerushalayim is uh, very much in the news in Israel. I don't know about in America. In America, I think all the news is about Russia for some reason. But um, in Israel and in other Arab countries, the news is about the Temple Mount. And as I mentioned at the opening this week, uh, last week actually, the end of last week, we saw a rather shocking and brazen attack by three Israeli Arabs from Um el Fahim. These are Arabs that are Israeli citizens who can travel freely, they vote in the elections and so forth. And quite frankly, they, they know that they have it better in Israel than they would have it in any other Arab country, but they are radicalized. The, the, their hatred is fomented by by several different organizations, including the um, the Arab Brotherhood, 
the Muslim Brotherhood, what's called the Northern Branch, also of the Islamic Movement. Those are two different organizations, the Muslim Brotherhood and the Northern Branch, the Peleg Hatsfoni, whose leader actually, I believe, is in prison now for inciting. And, and these are groups that have um, continuously carried on the lie that has been perpetrated since the early 1900s that the Jews want to conquer the Temple Mount and destroy everything that's on it and build the Beit HaMikdash. This, this lie, this libel, goes back to the famed Grand Mufti Hajamin al-Husseini, such a vile, hate-filled individual who, who met with Hitler during the war and spent a good part of World War II under German protection and in cooperation with Germans because they had a common goal to kill all the Jews. Anyway, the, the putting Har Habayit, the Temple Mount, at the center of the anti-Jewish, anti-Zionist um, campaign was his idea. Quite frankly, before that, the Temple Mount, it had holiness. It is the third holiest site in Islam, but quite frankly, it wasn't very much... Um, there was not much concern about it, let's put it that way, in the Muslim world. Only when Israel started looking at it did the Muslims start caring about it, like so many other things. And um, that heightened after 1967. But well before that, in the 1920s and, and so, the Mufti began this libel called Al-Aqsa is in danger. The Jews want to want to destroy it. There's a great, uh, I've recommended this before, there's a great book. It's free. Hebrew or English. God willing, I will remember <laughs> to post the link. If I don't remember, somebody can absolutely encourage me to do so on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Israel show. Um, I'm going to make myself a little note. This is a wonderful book by Nadav Shragai, who's a, an expert on Temple Mount issues has written much about it. And um, the book just shows you the history of this libel and how they churned up hatred and hatred of of Jews using this libel about the Temple Mount. And they keep bringing it up. Anytime they bring it up over and over and over again. And they do so in modern times too. And so... It's, it's made it so, this lie has made it so that the Temple Mount, that Har Habayit has become such a sensitive spot and that if anything is done there, not to the liking of the Muslims, there are riots. And what's, what, what, what is interesting is that it's basically a form of terrorism. This is terrorism. When Israel has to enact certain security regulations on Temple Mount, on Har Habayit, and the Arabs riot, and, and in the tens of thousands try to 
attack the police. This didn't happen now, but it's happened in the past. And in so doing, Israel gets scared and walks away and allows the Islamic Trust and others to have their way. We're, we're giving into terrorism. Just another form of terrorism that we're giving into. So that's something that we also have to remember. Who's involved in this whole, uh, whole of affair, if you will? Well, the state of Israel declared sovereignty on Har Habayit 50 years ago. And unfortunately, as we've discussed many times, Moshe Dayan mainly, but backed by the uh, labor government of the time, handed over daily operations on Har Habayit to the Muslims, to Islam. The Muslim trust that is in charge of it, called the Waqf. In English, it's usually spelled W-A-Q-F. And in doing so, we walked away from one of the biggest gifts that, that God gave us. Well, 50 years went by, and the situation just gets worse and worse and worse. Because when the Muslims see that we're afraid of them, that if they terrorize us, we will withdraw, they will continue to terrorize us. Now, have to give the, government, the current government of Israel some credit. Because over the past maybe two years, they have taken certain actions and the result is that Jews who follow the rabbinic leaders that allow entering Harabayit after tefillah and without shoes and under a lot of halachic regulations, not a simple thing. You have to know where you're going. You have to be with. You should be with somebody who knows where they're going. If you don't know where you're going, Jews have been going up to Har Habayit recently, without being hassled, or 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 being hassled less than they were before. The police were able to remove from Har Habayit organized groups that were being paid by agitators from the outside, including Qatar and others, to harass the Jews that are going up to Har Habayit. And they have, as a result, created a situation where more and more Jews who want to go are allowed to go. It's still a very small number. It's still under tremendous scrutiny. Jews are still not allowed to, not only not allowed to pray on Har Habayit, they're not allowed to look like they're praying on Harabayat to, to the nth degree of insanity. But it, it has been a lot more stable, a lot stabler than before. And that you have to give to this government. They're not going to do any major changes because major changes will create major upheaval and they're not, they, they don't want to deal with that. But while this is happening, the Arabs are doing their thing. Do you know that Turkey, which I believe is still a member of NATO, run by this vicious dictator, Erdogan, who is a good friend of Barack Obama, Turkey has invested 
millions of dollars in 63 different projects in the eastern part of Yerushalayim to protect and strengthen Jerusalem's Muslim heritage and character. And, and they are funding a lot of these radical Islamists that are doing their best to hurt Israel and to take control over Harabayit away from us. Don't forget, it was the Ottoman Empire, which, which the base of which is Turkey, that ruled for hundreds and hundreds of years until the British came in World War One. So here's Erdogan wanting to bring Turkey back to, uh, to its world influence, just like Putin wants to bring Russia back to it. Everybody wants to bring the old dictatorships back to their influence, and we have to fight back against that. Turkey is, is, is and should be regarded as a radical Islamic state, <clears throat> no longer the secular state that it was not that long ago. And they are not a good ally of Israel, even though there were some accommodations made. We'll go to some music, then we'll come back and tell you what Israel, what the government of Israel did as an immediate result of the attacks on Friday and the Arab response. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Oh, 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 oh,
Relatively new music from uh, our own Razel, Yonatan Razel's brother, Holech Tamim, is uh, the name of that one. Hope you enjoy it. So what happened as the result of the um, attack on uh, Har Habayit on Friday? The Israeli government first shut it down. They shut down Har Habayit. They allowed no one in. Everybody had to leave. And they searched thoroughly. I can't remember when the last time they did that was. It's definitely decades ago. They searched the place thoroughly and found knives and stones and all kinds and of course weapons that were being stashed. Now you know if... uh, under normal circumstances, if the police would go into a, a mosque and say, we're looking for weapons, the world would explode. In this case, there was an opportunity to say that public safety requires us to do this, and so they did, and they found it. So now what? Well, it stayed closed for everybody, Muslims, Jews, Christians, it stayed closed until like Sunday, midday Sunday. And the government of Israel set up metal detectors outside the entrances to Harabayit. There are quite a number of entrances to Harabayit. Non-Muslims may only use one. That's the uh, one we know near the Kotel, the Mugrabi Gate. But there are uh, quite a number of other entrances around Har Habayit. And so they set up metal detectors and the police were searching people and so forth and said, basically, we'll open Har Habayit again, but there's going to be uh, stronger security. This is a great opportunity. I think it's smart of the state of Israel to say, we need to use this opportunity to set up more Stringent security measures. They also put up cameras outside of Harabayit, but focusing inside. Something that Israel's wanted to do for quite a while in order to really keep tabs on what's going on. But the the Muslims uh, wouldn't allow it and so forth. And it was a big controversy, so they put that up. What happened as a result is that uh, the Muslims said, No, we're not going through these metal detectors. These are a Zionist provocation. And we refuse to go through the metal detectors. And if we have to, we'll pray outside. And of course, they had 
this uh, protest. They prayed outside of Harabayat. They small groups, and um, the Muslim Waqf basically encouraged the uh, those who want to go on Harabayat not to go through the metal detectors, to refuse to go through the metal detectors. Now, there were not metal detectors on the entrance Harabayat before our listener and frequent commentator Moshe writes that um, he he wonders if there were metal detectors. No, there weren't previous to this. Ah, yes, there are metal detectors when you enter the Kotel area and Jews go through them, even on Shabbat, because it's security. That's okay. But no, Temple Mount, no. We refuse, say the Arabs. We refuse, say the Muslims, to allow metal detectors. Well, this is going to be a battle of wits and battle of of wills, I should say. Who is going to hold out longer? Here's the problem with the metal detector issue that Israel faces. The problem that Israel faces, these entrances, anyone who, if if you've been to Yerushalayim and seen the other gates to the Temple Mount, they're relatively narrow and are at the end of relatively narrow streets, alleyways, streets. And on a, on a busy Friday, there are tens and tens and tens of thousands of Arabs, of Muslims, entering Har Habayat. It's a huge area. People don't realize how big it is. So... If every single person is going to have to go through a metal detector and a, and a security sweep, it's never going to happen. It's going to take hours and hours. It's never going to happen. And ultimately what will happen is the whole system will, will just fall apart. They won't be able to, to do it. So while it sounds good for now, they, they're going to have to come up. The state of Israel is going to have to come up with a better system. Now, you might ask, well, what about the Kotel? So the Kotel entrance is wider more people can go in at one time, but truth be told, on a very crowded day, whether it's Birchat Kohanim or Shavuot morning or whatever it is, a lot of people don't end up going through the metal detectors. That's just the way it is. So this is a challenge. I don't know what's going to happen. Another challenge is the relationship with Jordan. We have a peace treaty with Jordan, but the Jordanian king does not like Benjamin Netanyahu, obviously, even though it was Netanyahu's government that came to some sort of an agreement where Jordan is the official um, Arab country that doesn't have sovereignty, but some form of responsibility for what goes on on Har Habayit, the physical, the physical place, and so forth. Um, so, in a f- almost first in, I don't know, a decade, that the king of Jordan picked up the phone and called Benjamin Netanyahu about what? You better open up the Temple Mount. You better open it up so the Muslims can go to pray. You know, Mr. Mister King, sorry, stay out. And what is happening now is another power play. What, why? Why don't they want to go through the metal detectors? Because that is a sign of Israeli sovereignty. How does Israel show its sovereignty on the Temple Mount? Not by the daily activities there. Those are controlled by the Arabs. Israel shows its sovereignty on the Temple Mount by the security 
of the Temple Mount. Who can go up? Who can't go up? When is it open? When is it closed? That's access as a result of security. And security, police, policing it, and so forth. So if, if they put up metal detectors, that is now another expression of our sovereignty. And the Arabs won't have it. It's interesting to note, I believe today, yes, today was the first day that Jews were allowed back on the Temple Mount. Yesterday, Arabs were allowed, but not Jews. Today, Jews were allowed as well. And uh, they're always allowed only in small groups, and they're followed, and they're watched very carefully. And if anybody even seems like he's praying, they're thrown out, and uh, it's, it's incredibly crazy. But today, um, I saw a report by, um, and a video actually, by one of the people who went, that the Arabs didn't follow them. They were alone. They could do whatever they want. It was it, it, quite amazing. I, I'm wondering what that is all about. But that is quite amazing. So you have that. I don't know. Maybe the Arabs are also scared. Maybe they realize that they they ended up hurting themselves. This situation where these young uh, terrorists came from Umm al-Fakham and, and used live ammunition, which they kept in Har Habayit, really works against them, against the Arabs. And the Arabs are surely not happy with the results. So, Israel is still the sovereign officially over Har Habayit. They control, to some extent, to a great extent, access. They totally control the security on Har Habayit, while the Muslims control the daily life there and really run the place. They run Har Habayit. I always say that Har Habayit is is the Palestinian state that exists already now. Over the last few years, more and more Jews, Orthodox Jews, have made a point of Aliyah to Har Habayit, and that is something that the Arabs don't like. They did a lot to stop that. And this, uh, um, keeping this balance is the job of the Israeli government, and they're going to have to figure out what, what to do to keep it in place. We'll talk a little bit after the next uh, musical break. We'll talk a little bit about the uh, th- this resurgence of Jews going to Harabayit, thousands and thousands of Orthodox Jews who uh, ascend to Harabayit every year, and uh, how that also plays into this equation. Yoni Genut, one of my favorites, Lacha Eli Tishukati. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Thank <laughs> you. 
you know how you hear some songs over and over and over again and still you still love them this is one of them the highly Tishukati is a prayer said by uh, the Sephardic part of the Jewish people <laughs> which actually are probably more than the Ashkenazic part of Jewish people surely in Israel um, during the Yamin Noraim I think maybe only Yom Kippur or both Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and uh, written by, um, if I'm not mistaken, Avram Ibn Ezra. Yeah, that Ibn Ezra. Uh, Yoni Genut, off of the album Daber Eli Be'adamit. Post a link to that song um, after the show on our Facebook page. Facebook.com slash The Israel Show. Um, before I get on to that other issue, we'll see if we have time. I want to read to you the end of an article by Nadav Shragai, who I mentioned before who really spent a lifetime studying and analyzing the um, Har Habayit and all the issues pertaining to it, political and otherwise, and we're going to post a link to a book that he wrote. You can download it as an e-book about the lie, the libel, that El Aqsa is in danger. We'll post that for you that you, you could see how far back this goes. But he ends an article that he wrote in Yisrael Hayom, with some questions. How did weapons enter the Temple Mount, he asks. In the very distant past, during the War of Independence, Muslims had weapons on the Mount, and even fired at Jewish targets from there. But that has not been the case since 1967. In the past, fireworks and even explosive devices were smuggled onto the Temple Mount, but these items were located by the Israeli security forces before it was too late. Metal detectors were never previously placed at the entrances to the mount. Why? Was this the result of Jordanian pressure? Did these terrorists that attacked on Friday have help from within the Temple Mount, from inside? In recent years, Hamas Hamas operatives employed by the Waqf, you get it? The Waqf that is in charge of running the Harabayat employs Hamas operatives have been arrested on the mount and have had indictments filed against them by Israel. The assailants reportedly did not have a criminal past, but ties, beliefs, worldviews are also a type of conscious past. This aspect also requires examination. And he ends, the incident was yet another attack perpetrated with improvised Carlo, I think they're called Gustav Carlo. He writes here Carlo. I think they're called the Gustav Carlo submachine guns. These are like uh, homemade guns. Hasn't the time come to collect the thousands of illegal weapons in possession of Israeli and East Jerusalem Arabs? The price of the intolerable ease with which weapons can be obtained is rising with every attack. He always makes very good uh, points. <sighs> looking at the clock. Okay, we'll do one, uh, we'll do a song, and then we'll talk about the um, the issues of the Jewish ascension to Har Habayit. We'll just b- give you a brief overview as um, Moshe and other listeners have requested it, and I don't think we've done it in a while. Um, we'll go to Daniel Meged. This is an instrumental version of the Naomi Shemer classic El Borotamayim. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to The Israel Show on the Nahum Siegel Network.
That is truly gorgeous. Daniel Meget El Baro Tamayim, instrumental version of that. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Shon Denachem Siegel Network. So we'll try in a few minutes to give a brief overview of a very, a very heavy issue, which we've discussed in the past in greater detail, and that is um, Jews visiting Har Habayit and um, what is going on over the past few years that we see more and more, at this point we're talking about probably thousands a year, of Orthodox Jews ascending to Arabayat, while in the past this uh, never took place. We were, many of us, including myself, were always brought up with the idea that we are not allowed to step on any part of the uh, Temple Mount, what is today the Temple Mount, Har Habayit, that large area, because we don't know where the Beit HaMikdash was. There is a certain part of the Beit HaMikdash where we are not allowed to go unless we are Tahor, which would require a Paraduman, being that we don't have a Paraduma, we can't enter those areas. And being that, we don't know exactly where on the Temple Mount that area is. And being that the punishment of entering that area, even today when there's no Beit HaMikdash, the punishment would be karet, a very severe, or the most severe, I guess, punishment. We stay away. We just don't go there. That's how I was brought up. But things changed. You see, for, I don't know, 1900 years or so, we really were detached from Har Habayit. We had no connection physically to Har Habayit because we were very far away. The ability to just get up and fly to Israel did not exist. So the overwhelming majority of Jews, probably, let's say, 99.9% of all Jews, never got to see Eretz Yisrael and Yerushalayim. There were very few, a handful, who did go and, and get to Eretz Yisrael, but they were a handful over, over the generations. And so the issue of Har Habayit was very distant, number one. Number two, it was in many, during much of that period, it was a moot point. The Arabs wouldn't let us go to Har Habayit, even if we wanted to. So, so practically it became a moot point. So now, over the time, as halachic um, answers were given or written, people would say, just don't go there. We don't know to Suffolk, don't go there. But that saying that really was coming from a place of um, ignorance of the, of the actual facts on the ground. Everything changes on Chavchediyar 1967. Everything changes because not only are we now right here, we now have sovereignty over Har Habayit. We have responsibility for Har Habayit. And yet, as often is the case in Orthodoxy, we're very slow to change. We were all brought up and we don't go to Harabai, so we don't go to Harabai. The Rabbanut puts up a big sign at the entrance, Jews are not allowed to go to Harabai, and so forth. But while that is going on, 
Jews, a handful of Jews, led by Rav Goren and others, measured the Har Habayit, wrote many volumes, halachic volumes of discussion. Rav Koren, Rav, um, Rav Goren and others showing how our knowledge now of the geography, the topography and so forth makes it so that we, we, there are areas on the current Temple Mount that we can surely go to, halachically. Because, as I've said many times, to sum it up in one sentence, it doesn't matter where it was, the Beit HaMikdash, it matters where it wasn't. And we know certain areas where we know 100% for sure it wasn't. But you know, to change is very difficult. And for many years I can tell you about myself. I had studied this since my, my, uh, my college years, late teens and early 20s. And was well aware of the fact that there are many areas in Harabayit that halachically one can enter. Yet I never did it until there was a rabbinic body of people who said yes. And that's what happened about um, 15 years ago when a large group of rabbis, some of them very prominent poskim, within the religious Zionist camp said not only may we go, of course, under strict rules of halacha, you have to have a bitovel in the mikveh before you go, you can't wear shoes, you can't carry your wallet. There's, there are halachot of morah mikdash. Under those rules, not only can you go, but we should go, because by not going, we are relinquishing our claim. The Arabs kept saying to everybody, anybody who wanted to listen, they don't care about this place. They don't even come to visit. There's no Jews here. Come anytime you want. There are no Jews here. And so they were machmir on Morah HaMikdash, on the kavod of the Harabayit, and said Jews must go. And it took time, and it took time, and more and more and more and more people. We know of Tendler from Muncie has gone. The Rashi Yeshiva of the Yeshiva in the Gush have gone. Many, many other rabbis and leaders have gone under the very strict circumstances, uh, very strict regulation, rules and regulations, have ascended Har Habayit. And you still have the overwhelming majority of the Haredi world who are against it and will not go. And you do have still some in the modern Orthodox camp and some in the religious Zionist camp who also won't go. Uh, citing mainly Rav Cook, Rav Cook the elder, the father of Avram Yitzhak Cohen Cook, who said that one should not go to Harabite. Now again, Rav Cook lived well before there was even a state, let alone before we had sovereignty. So nobody knows what he would say today. But those who follow, some who follow his Derech, like Rav Aviner and others, say, no way, no way, no way, do not go on Harabite. It's, it's uh, obviously a contentious point. But those who um, follow the uh, religious Zionist rabbis have been going and going and going, and more and more have uh, been allowed to come. Very limited. You may not pray. You may not look like you're praying, as we've said many times. 
So that is a quick overview of that situation. Okay, I want to remind you to please keep in your prayers for Rufuat Shlema, Uri Avraham Ben Elisheva. Uri Avraham Ben Elisheva. We're going to close out. What are we going to close out with? With Kanfeguach. Well, well, we'll get in at least part of that song. Kanfeguach, based on the words of, uh, of Rav Kuk, the elder, who we just mentioned. It was written in memory of the uh, eight boys from the... Um, high school, the Merkaz Arab high school who were slaughtered by Arabs on um, what was it? When was it? I don't remember exactly when it was, but it was a number of years ago. This is Kanfeguach. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for all your Facebook likes and comments. Thanks to the staff of the Nachum Siegel Network. And my very special thanks as always to Nachum Siegel. Coming up on the Nachum Siegel Network, new, 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 Yoni Pollock with after further review, a new show covering the latest in the world of sports. So you want to stay tuned for that. After that, an encore presentation of Headlines with Rabbi David Lichtenstein. With David Lichtenstein, I should say. And then the Great Monday Music Marathon. Until next Monday. No, not next. I'm sorry. Next two weeks. Rosh Chodesh Av and Tisha B'Av. We will not be broadcasting live. But uh, after that, we will. So until then, next time we meet, immediately following Jamie and Dan, this is Mayor Wangan reminding you the nice guys do not finish last. They're just running in a different race. Yes, <laughs> the